0: Got
1: my coffee. Oh good. Are we we're starting? Yeah. Okay, who's the host? Um
0: Uh I mean I should probably be the host. Yeah. At
1: least for this you should be the host.
0: Okay. Um welcome back to the podcast. Danny is off in the Caribbean this week, so uh, it's just me, Aaliyah, uh, and Teddy here on the podcast today. And we went to see Solo, a Star Wars story. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and also about the other newest Star Wars movies. So, Teddy, fill us in on what what Solo is about.
1: Okay, yeah, so you definitely should see this movie before—well, maybe not. If you want to enjoy this podcast without being spoiled— you should see the movie beforehand. If you don't care, then you can you can tune right in. Um, so this is a you know rags rags to not riches story, but uh, it starts with Han Solo, a street urchin, uh, getting off his his uh, home planet out of the sewers, quite literally, and uh, basically joining a ragtag group of criminals kind of in a series, basically not just one heist, but multiple heists back-to-back. And it kind of leads basically right up to Han Solo joining, uh, go- going to Tatooine to work, uh, work for Job of the Hutt.
0: Yeah, um, I think just for purposes of talking about um, the plot of the movie, it will also be important to know a couple of the other characters. So there's Lando Calrissian, young Lando Calrissian, played by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. There is... Uh, Kira, which I just discovered is spelled Q I apostrophe R A, <laughs> played by Amelia Clark, um, who plays Daenerys on Game of Thrones. Woody Harrelson plays Woody Harrelson, <laughs> or Woody Harrelson's character from The Hunger Games. Um, and he is sort of the um, he is the ringleader of the group of criminals Han falls in with, but the other criminals quickly die. So then it's just Woody Harrelson's band. Um, hit, Tobias Beckett is the character's name. Who? Oh, and Chewbacca. Okay. So, uh, did you think this was a good movie, Teddy? Uh, no. Um,
1: <laughs> no. I don't. I don't think so. It. Uh, it wasn't bad either. I, I would just describe it as pretty soulless and empty. Like, uh, it. It just. Just felt like a bunch of people going through the motions, like, this is what a movie's supposed to be. I mean, I think they did a reasonable job putting together a a movie, but I feel like there was some tonal issues, and, like, it didn't actually all come together as one solid piece. Something that's worth addressing, like, the directors were fired basically after the movie was made, and Ron Coward came in and reshot a bunch of it, and, like, just... Like it, there was like a seriousness to the movie, which wasn't bad, but like those guys are comedy directors for the most part, and like what we got wasn't. And I think Ron Howard's good, and he like knows how to put a movie together. Like I feel like it was paced well. Like it just felt totally empty. Like I I, I almost don't even really remember watching the movie. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Um yeah, I mean I think I agree with that to some extent. I think part of the problem is that the movie really rests on the shoulders of Han, the character and also the actor playing Han. And I just, I don't think they succeeded in creating an appealing young version of him. I mean, it's an impossible task. Like I feel bad even criticizing it because there's no way to recreate Harrison Ford and like the, I think sort of surprising unintentional or unexpected charm that he brought to the role originally. And so to sort of like effortfully try to recreate that in a younger, less jaded version is going to feel weird no matter what. The other thing about that was confusing to me about Solo was how totally unjaded and a good, noble person he was, because that isn't who he is later on at all. If it, if it had been a better movie, I would have been like, oh, maybe the takeaway here is that it happened out over time, that he was sort of like broken by the world and all the terrible things that happened to him. But he just kept being so upbeat and smiley in the face of every challenge that arose in front of him. But yeah, I agree. Like, structurally, I thought the movie worked pretty well. I actually thought the story, despite having, I think there was just, like, too much in the movie, I, I still liked the story. But I felt I, just a lot of the dialogue and sort of the smaller... The smaller writing choices didn't work for me frequently enough that I felt like I was being taken out of it a lot. Um, Anything else that you thought was good about the movie as a movie?
1: There there were some really exciting moments. Um, Like, I think when the the second heist that takes place, I was very excited by their... Oh, uh, this yeah, this was amazing, actually, when they fly through the wormhole, and there's that giant space alien, and there's that big gravity well. But I, I just think it looked really cool um, in a way that sometimes Star Wars is just, like, bleak planet vista shots— or like outdated screens and droids. Um, it was kind of cool to like see some beautiful like spacey type stuff, like almost Star Trekky. But I, I just love that whole escape sequence. I thought that was really, really well done, and I thought it was very exciting. I also thought the the first initial heist on the train was pretty well done as well.
0: So should we talk? Let's talk about it as a Star Wars sure. movie. So I just re- watched Rogue One today for the first time. Also, it's interesting. I think. Rogue One felt less Star Wars-y to me, but it was better, and I preferred that. So it was kind of nice to have them alongside each other to sort of see, like, I'd rather watch a good movie that's a little bit, that feels a little bit outside of the Star Wars that I know and love. Um,
1: Yeah, it's hard to to know exactly where to start. Um, I think something I've been dealing with lately is that I thought Last Jedi was really bad, and I think Force Awakens was okay, like, I enjoyed it, but... Um, I started asking this myself after The Force Awakens, and especially after The Last Jedi, is, like, is Star Wars good? And I think the answer is no. The majority of movies are bad, and, like, George Lucas is, in a lot of ways, like, stupid um, and, like, like childlike. Like, I think the more power he had on his movies, the worse it was. Like, I think you start to see that in uh, Return of the Jedi with, like, Ewoks. Like, there was that big debate, uh, you know— I don't know if it's apocryphal, but it's, like, legendary where, like, Han Solo was, like, I want to die in the last movie. And he was, like, no, this is, like, a movie for kids. Like, you're, like, a hero. Like, we can't have you die. It's not only that. It's, like, full of panda bears and, like, teddy bears, you know, like, that are cute and, like, Mm -hmm. beat up stormtroopers. And, like, The Last Jedi kind of does that, right? Like, with porgs, I think they're called the little penguins thing? yeah it's like like that is a star wars story and it's just bad and i don't know the direction to go like I, I i you know i think we had two really good movies with star wars and empire strikes back and then the creator just kind of really got to realize his vision and it was terrible like you see the original trilogy that's like the auteur being able to do whatever he wants and it's like you know, David Lynch doing whatever he wants is Twin Peaks season three. Right. And George Lucas doing whatever he wants is the most pathetic series ever created. <laughs> One, two, three, Darth Maul, yeah. young Anakin, Hayden Christensen, all that, Natalie Portman. And so I don't know the direction that I really want to see this go. Like, I mean, I think we all crave really good hero stories and really good mythical stories. And I think that's kind of what Star Wars should be trying to do. Um, I think what's cool, like, we what we're doing with the off years is, like, the extended universe stuff. And, like, Rogue One, I think, is a perfect example of, like, we're building off, like, a little bit off the mythos, but just kind of b- making a movie in this world. And we're just going to make a good story.
0: Ta- talking about tone, though, I did also want to say just, like, aesthetically, it felt so much to me like the original trilogy for a lot of it in a way that I really liked like it was like very brown and like hazy and like t- lots of tubes hanging and weird stuff like that that just felt um like really familiar to me and made me feel like I was back in back in the, in Star Wars which was which I was excited about
1: yeah I, I I think especially like Last Jedi when they go to the gambling planet uh where it's like really fancy it reminded me of like the the uh natalie portman trilogy in like a really gross way like everything was like clean and i know it was like a rich planet and that was like kind of the point but it was like it felt like a zoo almost it was like here's a weird planet where there's like weird aliens and that wasn't quite the case in this like when they go to like the rich guys frigate or whatever like i feel like there was like some tasteful like showcasing of aliens more like a safari and less like a zoo you know it's still like like you're supposed to look at these things but it like it just didn't feel as forced and fake and it felt like the old Star Wars in that sense, like when you first go to the cantina and like everything is like crude and they're just showing you some like aliens and they walk in, grab a table at this like weird alien bar. I, I think – I mean I think the thing that I like that it was – a, a bit, that was similar to the old series is there were a lot of slow moments like where they're just like kind of like this is where we are now and this is – we're not necessarily in a hurry to get anything. Like, oh, we need to find a ship to get off the planet. Like, I'm going to go try and find a pilot, which is Han Solo, like in the first Star Wars movie. It's weird because, like, The Last Jedi is almost a comedy. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy levels of jokes. Like, it's... That, I mean, that's one of the reasons I hate the movie is, like, a hero journey story, but especially Star Wars should be... T- should take it, have to take itself a little seriously. And it's hard to tell a compelling story where people are serious and earnest I mean Luke's Luke is a little lame and like that's part of the charm is like he's he's trying hard and that's and like Han Solo gets to be funny because he's like the jaded rogue and like that's that's his job but like everybody is funny in The Last Jedi I actually thought this movie did a pretty good job balancing those things like Han Solo is actually kind of serious for a lot of it I mean he makes like jokes but they're like you're not supposed to laugh at them you're just supposed to like think he's smart and like kind of like smile to yourself and I thought that they did a good job with that type of humor and it took itself seriously enough for the most part which I did enjoy
0: yeah I guess I think of Han Solo's humor as being a little darker um which didn't really come across in this movie I mean again I think you can sort of justify it as you know over time he became more jaded and so his his humor became jaded with him but yeah it just it struck me as like all his humor seemed to be more like but there's still hope guys we're gonna do it you know, which is not really how it works. It, it sort of works the opposite way in the original Star Wars movies.
1: yeah, I think I, I think you when you see people shift between different directors, like it's a weird problem to have. I mean, I think you know you want new directors to like be able to put their mark on the story and make their own film, but at the same time, like you need them to preserve some of what was already done. And I mean, I think comics and stuff like that just kind of go to town and like characters change a lot and do various things. And I don't know if you're going to make nine movies about a character, like it seems inevitable that something character breaking is going to happen mm-hmm. and there's just nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah. And maybe we just at this point sort of have to accept that that's going to that's gonna be part of the way that Star Wars works from now on as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think Rogue One succeeds because it's unshackled from the universe, largely. Um, I mean, I think it does some things with, like, Darth Vader and, like, the Rebel Alliance. But it's, like, it's really free to tell its own story. And Solo is very much not. And, I mean, I think they kind of force themselves into a corner by their own doing, which is, like, we're going to have everything that happens here tie into the story we already know like this is the Kessel run made in 12 parsecs. like that doesn't need to happen like this is in and I mean I think this is a problem with retcon in general but like they put Han Solo's dice in every shot and it's like okay this was hanging in the Millennium Falcon like thanks for the easter egg and it's like not an easter egg anymore when you show it in every fourth shot you know Han Solo won Millennium Falcon in a game of cards like it's we're just checking off a lot of boxes, and it just doesn't need to be that. Like, we could have had a Han Solo story that didn't do every single thing we already know about him. It's like almost like Mamma Mia. Like, we're telling—we're telling, <laughs> we're, telling we're, we're bound by the story someone else— <laughs> we're, like, trying to string together a story along the line someone else drew for us. But it's also just lame as an audience member. It's like, when they start talking about the Kessel Run in Parsecs, it's like, I know what you're going to do. Like, this is just not fun for me. Like, that's not why I'm here. I'm, like, here to see a good movie. I'm not, like, here to for you to explain something that happened in the last film.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because Rogue One is actually, like, plot-wise, what had to happen over the course of the story was actually deter- predetermined. Whereas if you were making a Han Solo prequel, you could have told any story about his life at any time. But One thing I
1: want to say why I have... It was like the most important note I had mentally was, which I think sums up the movie very well, is when Chewbacca tells him his name, (laughs) right? (laughs) I mean, like we were cracking up. He tells, Chewbacca tells Han his name and he's like, Chewbacca. He's like, there's no way I'm saying all that. I'm going to have to come up with a nickname for you. Are you fucking kidding me? You're telling me how he came up with the nickname? Like, this is how people work. They come up with nicknames for other people. Like, we don't need Chewie, the nickname for Chewbacca, explained to us or justified through this movie. He could just start calling him Chewie. It's fine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) well, it's so that was like particularly egregious. But the weird other weird thing about that moment is I don't really understand how you translate sounds from Wookiee into the Latin alphabet. <laughs> like when Chewbacca says something in Wookiee and Han is like Chewbacca. Like, what is that even? How does that work? Like, what would the yeah. And then the nickname thing on top of it. Yeah, it's just but yeah, I think that is like the, a, a really good embodiment of the overall problem of the movie of explaining everything to the to the nth degree and the least interesting details
1: I also I think worth uh talking about is the fuck you to George Lucas which is Han shot first right the, the classic Greedo and Han Solo are in the bar Greedo's gonna in the first Star Wars movie he's gonna bring Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt and in the original cut of Star Wars Han shoots him under the table like in cold blood and like george lucas went back and like re-edited the movie so han solo didn't do that like fans were pissed off because he's like oh he's a good guy and all the fans are like you can't just change this character and and i feel like this was like a very explicit defining of han solo as a kind of person who would shoot first to to protect himself in the very end you know he shoots woody harrelson before he has a chance to shoot him in like cold blood right and i thought i mean i thought it was that was a good moment, and that kind of like stuff, like the subtlety of that, I thought was really great. It rewards Star Wars fans who are paying attention, unlike the other stuff, like Chewy for Chewbacca, that's embarrassing, or the dice stuff like that's just uh, just insulting.
0: I think we should talk. I want to talk about droids. Yeah, and I think we can talk about how they're used in in all the movies, or sort of how they're depicted in all the movies. Um, I was very, very frustrated by the way the droids work in Solo. The new main droid character, L3, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I'm a big fan of, and who I I don't think her performance had anything to do with why it didn't really work very well for me, but she's Lando's droid, and um, sort of the premise of her character is that she is a droid-rights advocate like informally not not in any formal capacity and yeah, I really, I really did not like the way that that was handled. Like I thought, I thought that could be an interesting thing, but it's like it's mocked throughout the movie by the characters and by the way the movie is written. It also doesn't really make sense. It feels like it's sort of a nod to the current political moment and like things that we are thinking about a lot now, but really has no place in the world of the story. So often, like I felt like it was taking me out of it. It, it also, it felt like it was mocking her for being a droid and believing that she had rights and agency, and also felt like it was about her being a woman. Like, there is a weird moment where she tells Kira that Lando has feelings for her, but she doesn't have feelings for him, which I think we're supposed to believe is totally made up in her mind, or not mind, um, in her circuits. Um, And... And, like, you know, Kira basically, like, barely restrains laughter in the moment, and I think we're supposed to be laughing as well. And it just felt like her, like, femaleness and her, like, wanting of, or, like, wanting to be taken seriously, like, really felt like it was also about her being, like, a female droid, if such a thing even exists. What did you think about that situation? Yeah, I think,
1: like, this is uh, something we've talked about a lot, like... Droids are possibly sentient in the Star Wars universe, which is largely ignored throughout the series and ignored in this one, except as a punchline, which like if that's something you actually want to grapple with, which maybe we probably should, this is certainly not the way to do it. I mean, I think like with Westworld and like the rise of artificial intelligence, we're asking like a lot of hard questions about like what it means to be human and like what is sentience and where does consciousness come from? And this mocks the question. I actually didn't think about the womanness aspect of it, but I definitely think that's important. I, I I don't know if I have like a coherent takeaway about that. I mean, I think it's... Probably worth examining more at length.
0: Also, is she she's the only female-voiced droid in the series, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, which I think maybe is part of why it felt also like the um, fact of her being female was more part of her personality Uh, yeah the other droid thing I do think we should just mention the droid rebellion that L3 takes the restraining bolts off of or the restraining bolt off of one droid and then tells the droid to free its brothers and sisters and then they they start basically a rebellion in this mining camp and that's sort of like supposed to be a distraction but it's also just seems like L3 sort of accidentally did it but it also seems to be aligned with her supposed serious political mission that we're laughing at. And there, it just it felt like an excuse to, to have a bunch of silly droid gags where like a little droid is stomping on a keyboard, which to be honest I liked. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah it just felt like it wasn't really part of the story it didn't really need to be there and it was like just a continuation of sort of the mockery of droid personhood.
1: Yeah I think um I, what I did think was going to happen was it was going to turn out that Lando was actually in what? love with the droid, which they I almost feel like they hinted at and I feel like that would have changed a lot of where you're like oh where 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 we had been laughing at this thi- this robot thinking Lando liked it actually was in fact the truth and it Seemed like they almost went there. It's like he seemed very sad about its death, even though like earlier he was like kind of like mocking it and like, oh, I want it to die. and Or like I want to wipe its memory banks, but it has star maps, so I'm not going to do it. He seemed genuinely distraught about its death, which I think would have given earned a lot of credit uh, retroactively, but they didn't manage to do it.
0: There's another there's another droid moment where it's before we've met L3, I think. There's just, like, one moment where some kind of vehicle hits a droid and its head, like, lands on the ground, and it's obviously supposed to be funny. There, I think there's a droid sound that's like, mmm, or something, like, really annoyingly supposed to be cute, which is just not, it's not right. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> it's not funny for droids to die. <laughs> they are interesting people. Or it should just be nothing. You know, it should be, like, a stormtrooper getting shot. Like, that's not funny it's just what happens as a consequence of the plot of the movie. Uh... But do you, what is the name of the droid in Rogue One? Do you know? K2SO. I think one of the things that's great about that, about having that character, is that he has his relationship with the other characters evolves over the course of the story. At the beginning, he like distrusts Jin, and then there are like several moments along the way where we sort of see that trust shifting, and then they like gradually build a relationship. Which is also much more interesting to watch than a character, droid or human, who stays exactly the same and does different versions of the same thing over and over. One thing I I really did struggle with, though, character-wise, was Han in this movie being very earnestly and openly in love with and devoted to a woman. I just don't think that the way the character is written in the original trilogy, that that makes sense, unless... And I think sort of the direction that Solo is heading the whole time is I was sort of like waiting for the moment when this relationship was like really going to crush him with the way that it went awry. Either like she dies or she betrays him. And at the end, she like sort of betrays him. And there's a moment where he like watches her leave in Dryden Boss's yacht and he looks like bummed but I was I was like either he had like this big love when he was young and it sort of crushed him for future romance or he's never really cared about anyone before or if he has he's never been able to say it out loud like he fam- fam- a man who famously cannot say I love you <laughs> um I, did you did that bother you or were you on board with that
1: I mean, I thought it was a little weird, like when it first happened, but I was like, oh, I'm on board. But I, it needs something needed to intercede on that. I, I agree with you. Like, not enough happened in between him being, like, devoted to a woman and the character we see in the first Star Wars. And, like, I just don't think even a bad relationship could really, or being betrayed or them dying, could really explain such a monumental shift in character. That part of it really seemed like fanfic. Right, and it yeah. it didn't seem Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of weird because their relationship is set up from the beginning of the movie. I mean, it changes a little bit over the course of the movie, but like we never see them get to know we we don't see them fall in love or build their relationship at all and it you know it's interesting watching Rogue One because the two main characters in that I feel like there's no nothing like explicitly romantic about it except that both Diego Luna and Felicity Jones are beautiful <laughs> and must be in love but like watching that relationship build is such an important part of the movie and Uh, and a really interesting part of the movie. Whereas in this, it's just like, we walk into a relationship already, we walk into two people who already care about each other. You know, they make out in the first like minute of the movie. And that's like slightly destabilized over the course of the movie. And then at the end, it's basically like, she's a a survivor and she's a self-preservationist. But it's not, she doesn't really betray him. She's sort of like obviously in a difficult position in the world.
1: I kind of wanted like she she was like you don't know what I've done. I've done so many things. Like what 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 has she done? Like what terrible things has she I I don't know like all her shift in character was not really explained very well.
0: Yeah, I mean I think her character overall is not developed very well. Yeah. Um be- like, better writing, more subtle writing, and, like, a more subtle performance by an actor could also help. Although, also the time gap between when they're on their home planet and their orphan slum situation um, to when they remeet was, like, I wasn't really convinced that time had passed. Hmm. <laughs> the act- They looked the same. The character seemed the same.
1: I, I also wanted to say, like, the Lando character who I thought was terrible and what Donald Glover yeah just like I've heard he I feel like everyone's talking about how great he is and I mean there's some things he's awesome in like I feel like everything I've seen in Atlanta is great but he just did I mean I don't know how much he had to work with but I thought he was especially bad in this movie
0: it's funny I didn't feel that way at all I I thought he was I thought he was good I mean I wasn't like yeah I wasn't super excited about anyone's performances in this movie but I don't think that was an acting problem I think that was a writing problem um, and maybe a little bit of directing problem but yeah I, I did like Donald Glover I didn't think the Lando character was that good. One thing I really, one little detail that I really did like was that he calls him Han and that that was in there. Like, that was super fun. Um, I feel like we looked at each other at that moment. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I really like
1: that. It, also in Star Wars, they call her Princess Leia sometimes. Like, mm. and I really like, I, I feel like actually they just were like doing a really shoddy job making the movie. Yeah. But like, I like the idea of people not being able to pronounce people's names correctly. I feel like that's like a really normal problem to have, especially with all these weird names from people of all these different planets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of Lando, also, I think one of the, even though I wasn't crazy about his character, like, it was like a character who made sense to have there. He's like, I think they tried to do something interesting with him. Um, But I felt like this movie suffered from a similar problem to, problem similar to one The Last Jedi has, which is extraneous characters like not only too many characters but just like characters we don't care about and especially having just watched Rogue One where I felt like there were a lot of different characters doing a lot of different things and the movie was really successful about making us care about all of them I think often because they had some kind of compelling relationship with someone else and watching them interact with each other and have relationships with each other made it made them important to us so when spoiler alert at the end of Rogue One everyone dies (laughs) You've just spent all this time, like, coming to care about these characters. Whereas in Solo, you know, a couple... So I was thinking about this also because of L3. Like, L3 dies, and, like, Lando's sad for, like, five minutes. And then he's, like... Then there's no consequences, actually, to her death. For him, emotionally, like, doesn't seem to really do anything to his life, despite the fact that she supposedly was sort of his number one companion. He doesn't... Also doesn't strike uh, as as a guy who has a lot of good real friends who he shares his feelings with he's like seems like sort of a gatsby type yeah i mean woody harrelson's girlfriend
1: dies and there's no mourning whatsoever nothing like i mean they show him by the grave but he then he just resumes normal conversation he's he he punches Han in the face but for a bad idea not for or for like fucking up the heist not for killing his girlfriend like i was like no one's going to talk about this. Like, nobody cares. But yeah, it's like, the movie's just like, okay, here's the woman in the fridge from, like, like or whatever, you know, like, let's kill off a couple important characters. Let's kill off uh, the droid. Um, Yeah, wow, there are stakes in this movie. But it doesn't matter, right? Like, it's like, people could die, but not actually people who were following along. And also they can't, right? Like, at least Han can't die, but everyone else can.
0: I liked the Paul Bettany character, Dryden Voss. Um, oh, yeah. He's great in everything, though. Yeah, Paul Bettany is great in everything. Paul Bettany is also married to Jennifer Connelly. Really? Um, Yeah. Were they in a movie together? Yes, they were in in A Beautiful Mind together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Paul Bettany's character is imaginary, so was he really there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I really liked that character. I just I liked this sort of like capricious villain, and he felt really unpredictable. This guy I felt like you could really justify him keeping people around killing people torturing people like anything I, I felt like would have would have made sense for him, which was exciting.
1: Oh, I I also want to talk about the weird moment where he is a imperial soldier. He's in a like in a foxhole and someone's screaming, my legs, my legs. It's like, what am I watching right now? Like, these aren't war movies. And also, if it is
0: despite what the name might suggest, yeah
1: but if it is like actually deal with it like this doesn't at all and it's like like we'll just play a, like a sound clip of like someone screaming about their legs getting blown off it just seems so like lazy but also disrespectful to like war and like soldier it just it just seemed really gross and i was like yeah it, it it didn't fit like, and, or if they were going to like, also Han Solo was an Imperial trooper. That just seems like a weird thing to make for this character.
0: But again, I was like, oh, maybe this is part of how Han got, you know, sort of like jaded and afraid of intimacy and just sort of like the world's going to fuck you anyway. So, you know, survive while you can. So I, th- I thought maybe the, the war was and his time in the military was going to have something to do with shaping his character, his, the change in his character but it just doesn't do anything to him besides make him want to get out, which he already wanted. Um, I do think there's also a weird, like he talks about his dream initially on their home planet and he's like, I'm going to be a pilot. And I just wasn't really sure what that meant in the universe. Like, and then, you know, so like in our world, in real life, you kind of do have to be in the military and be a pilot in the military to become a pilot so then when he went and enlisted with the with the empire and was an imperial pilot which by the way we don't get to see at at all which was kind of a bummer like han solo top gun is like what i thought we were gonna get for a second i was psyched about that but all right should we do our rating kind of torn actually but I, I'd say this movie is a is a one worth seeing has some good moments um and I just think it's really important to know what's happening with the world of Star Wars
1: yeah I think I think I would we'll probably always see Star Wars movies for the next few years but you know I'm kind of a uh, masochist in that way I don't think I, I think this movie is a zero and while they're there are some things that i did enjoy about it and it kind of you know putters along and or is exciting in some great moments um, i think i think it's a basically a pointless movie that you definitely don't need to spend any time on you know something has been made like this before you've probably seen it this movie or a version of it 50 times and it definitely i think as a star wars fan pollutes more than emphasizes the star wars mythos so on both accounts i, I think this is should be a, a skip I, I would have been happier had this movie never been made that being said i did enjoy a lot of it but i think it was probably shouldn't exist and if you can spare your mind of its existence do so
0: all right <laughs> So uh, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Um, hopefully we'll have Danny back next time. Our intro music is Happy Haunts by Aaron Kenny, And the song you're listening to right now is Data Dealer by Infinity Shred. If you want to tell us what you thought of this episode or let us know what you'd like for us to talk about next, you can find us on Twitter at Danny Papes, at Teddy Papes. And my Twitter handle is Too Hard to Spell. So just type my name into the search bar. Bye. Bye.
1: This movie follows Han Solo, Street Rat, uh, basically think Aladdin and Abu, except instead of Abu, it's Daenerys, and
0: that's what happens.